seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 191 of Color of Magic, your Magic Gaming Podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 191 episodes, still got my main man, Brian Allen, with me. How is it going, dude? Yeah, pretty good. No major complaints. How about you? Uh, you know, so far, so good. We we are getting what we would call warm, finally. So that's nice. Getting to enjoy some well, real what's sunlight. What's that, 52? No, nah, it's like, it's like 80, 82 right now. So, oh, you know, yeah, there's like, a heat wave for you. Yeah, yeah, that's like real warm up here, you know. So, like, the top end will be like 90 probably in another, like, two weeks. But in Texas, that's Christmas weather. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah, it's, it's nice. Oh, you know what I did do, though? I built a pergola in our backyard. A, a what? A what? A pergola. I'm fancy. So like I have okay, I have zero idea what that is. Pergola yeah. is basically like consider a gazebo, like you know, four post and a roof, but okay. it's flat and then there's slats in the top so sunlight can come through. Instead of them just being completely covered. But we got one that like when you assemble it, you can actually like there's a little arm you can twist and then it goes flat to if you want to have shade and block the water out or whatever, since it rains here a lot, or you can have it up and have the sunlight come through. That does sound fancy. Yeah, it was pretty nice. It wasn't that expensive. We got it through Lowe's or whatever. We just had to wait for them to ship it and everything. But, you know, happy. Have a place to sit outside when the weather's good or bad now. is kind of nice. So don't have to worry about the rare, bright sunlight days, I guess. Yeah, all three of them. Yeah, so it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. We'll see how we feel about it. We're going to put some little, like, cheap $20 string lights on it and whatever. So if we want to sit outside at night, like, we'll we'll see. It'll it'll look real fancy, but you know we did it on a budget. <laughs> One of those things that people come over and be like, "Oh, this is nice." You just don't tell them how much you spent on it. I'll see later if my wife knows what you're talking about because I had Z and she obviously does more of the decorating. Oh yeah, she probably stuff. knows. Yeah, you, you're like me. There's some things that like it gets brought up and you. I'm just like, what's that? You know, like <laughs> if you just have never third? encountered it. <laughs> Because some of the stuff I know, because I watched way too much HGTV at one point yeah. in the background. So I, you know, like love it or list it or whatever. I've yeah. I've learned enough from watching them well, too. Those <laughs> shows. Sorry. Hey, what, what what are your jobs again? I'm a professional hamster rustler. I mm-hmm. do I do reviews of onion rings. Our budget is ten million dollars. What's wild to me, and I know this is a way tangent from what we're going to talk about that. But what's wild to me on those shows? is the people that are giving up like an amazing house and they're like, yeah, but this office is too small or whatever. Like one room. They're just like, everything else, it's rigged. Yeah. And I'm just like, well, you could just move a wall and do a thing, you know? And then they do. And we're like shocked that they keep the house. And I'm like, the house was awesome. They're no, why would they give that up? If or, it is even in fact their house. Cause that's like any other reality TV show. It's just well, yeah. No, supposedly that's actually real. But the thing is, I I do sometimes feel bad for that dude, David, because there are those people that'd be like, we're looking for this, 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 and this. And then he gives them exactly that. And then they just nitpick the dumbest thing. They'll be like, yeah, but it's like two minutes further than I want to drive or whatever. Like, you know, like just, he's like, what? I literally gave you your whole checklist. And you're like, okay, fine. We'll go look for another house. Let me go as, as, as I've been taught. If something looks like it's not real, it's probably not real. 
don't know. I, that's one I wondered because me and my wife wondered, but like I ended up doing some researching on it. And apparently I actually do have people who are like either planning to renovate or move. And they have you submit on their website or whatever on, I guess, on HGTV's website. You can put your stuff in to be on the show. So I'm like, all right. The only thing I will say this, though, for TV shows, I have tried to get on game shows and I've gotten close twice and didn't make the final cut. And man, that hurts. And even <laughs> in cases where the network thinks it's legit. Like, I think uh, that Joe Billionaire guy, Fox, actually thought he was rich, but it's because they did zero research. Well, yeah, that's but that's just them being bad at their job. Had they made five or ten phone calls, you know, the whole house of cards would have immediately come apart. But it's the same company that brings you Fox News. So now they did none of that. <laughs> you know, you know okay. his word for it. Okay, before we move on, you know my favorite a reality show I ever saw. What's that? It was one where they took this dude and everybody else was in on it but him. So they made it look like it was a reality like contest. The show, yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, if you see the, the new show Jury Duty, it's basically kind of the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. Joe Smosho, man, I love it. Because I thought about it and I'm like, man, if you were that dude, it would be hard to figure that out. Because you're just assuming everybody's playing a personality already just because they're trying to play the game. Yeah, because they all took on the like, yo, this is the the crazy bachelorette. Yeah. They were all typical reality show characters. So that, you would have you know. like no way to know. And like even when he started to assume, all they had to do was switch like one thing. And then they're like, oh, well, that makes sense now. Never mind. You know, and I would have done the same thing. You start getting suspicious, but then you're like, oh, well. You find out these other two people have been like conspiring behind the scenes, and you're just like, okay, well, that's why so and so was acting weird. Cool. Like, so they, I mean, oh, so good. Such and a even good even with show. things like that, like people would say, yeah, sure, Survivor is real. It can't be rigged. It absolutely can. Oh yeah, yeah, it can. For example, more, way you know, more difficult, but it can be. Not even really, because like one of the guys, you know, Boston Rob, really popular Survivor, and he was in danger of getting voted off, but Boston Rob is really good at puzzles, so for like four weeks in a row, the the thing that gives you immunity is a puzzle! Oh, in that regard, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so who's gonna yeah. win? Boston Rob, because we want to keep him on the show. That That's another one, man. Survivor's been around for, what are they, in like 25th season or something? Yeah. Like, like one time they had a former basketball player on there and miraculously one week when he was in danger of getting eliminated, the challenge was essentially you had a hoop and you had to throw a ball through it. Okay, ain't gonna lie, that one does sound rigged. It was so <laughs> obviously transparent who was gonna win immunity. Because oh, at that point they had figured out that okay, yeah, he's uh, you know, they go to extreme legs for all to try to pick anybody famous, except for that time they picked Jimmy Johnson, just because he's apparently a really big fan. Man, so, I would I would still do one of those shows. Oh yeah, I'm sure it's a fun experience. Anytime. Like, and I, I tried I tried to get on on Jeopardy and I got through because you have to do like their online tests and there's another yeah. thing. So like I got to like I think the second or third round in that and then get didn't move on. There was another one that was while I was still in, in Texas, it was like an online game show. And then I actually got to a point where they had me and three other people doing like a sample show, actually. And they were just like checking your personality and all that. And then I literally got to the last stage of that after doing like two of those and didn't get picked. And then there was another one on Game Show Network that I applied for and then did the phone interview and a live interview and then didn't get picked in the last round. And I was like, gosh, dang it. I was like... <laughs> 
So one day, one day, that's maybe that's a bucket list item I need to add. Because right now I have voice acting a thing. I added that a couple couple months back. I decided I want to do one quality paid voice acting gig at some point. And then I guess now now that I'm thinking about it, we'll we'll make a game show appearance somewhere. Those are those are my. I have a really dumb bucket list. <laughs> I auditioned for that. Uh, I think it's called the Moment of Truth or whatever. They basically, I guess, give you a lie detector test and ask you the most embarrassing questions ever. Oh, I just saw a clip from that the other day. I forgot but about I, that show. I, I think that they got so many people in trouble to where it got canceled before I would have even gotten the call back, which is probably for the best. Yeah, because a clip I saw had a dude with like his family and his. I think it was just his girlfriend at the time or whatever there. And they were asking him some personal questions. Oh, yeah, it, it gets really bad. Like, do you think your parents don't like your girlfriend because of her religion or whatever? It's just like, dang, yeah. like just on TV in front of everybody. Exactly. Like, they, they get all in. Even the even the audition for that was getting, you know, yeah, this is uncomfortable. I don't know that I want this. Oh, dude, they, they also asked him, like, would you leave? Would you, if it came down to it, would you choose your family over your girlfriend or whatever? And I was like, dang, I like, dude, you, I mean, you're already in, you might as well answer the question, but you know, it's going to be a rough plane trip home. <laughs> like no matter what you answer, uh, yeah. somebody's going to be mad at you. <laughs> like, man. All right. Let's get to business though. We got, we got a lot of stuff to still talk about because, uh, you know, foreshadowing here, Twitch made people unhappy again this week. Imagine that. Yeah. But we got to remind you, we got a new sponsor around here, man. CoolStuffInc.com. You should check them out. Especially, like, here's one thing about cool stuff. I think a lot of people don't think about the fact that they have stuff other than just magic cards, which is pretty sweet. So if you're looking for all types of game stuff, go check out their website. They're good people. They're now supporting me and a bunch of other things and this show. So that's great. And they support a lot of other good creators as well. So go pay them some love and you can save some money. So you can just use code DRAGON, D-R-A-G-O-N, in your cart whenever you're checking out. That will save you 5% on your whole purchase. So go pay them some love over on CoolStuffInc.com because they always have cool stuff in stock. And we have a new Patreon we get to talk about. So if you want to support us on Patreon, go to Patreon.com slash Color of Magic. And you can be just like Benjamin Easter. Thank you for coming on, friend. Much appreciated. And if you want to get some merch, go over to colorofmtg.com slash shop. And with that business out of the way, let's get to the soapbox. All right, so we obviously talked about the whole black Aragorn, as I say in air quotes, situation last <laughs> week. Which, okay, let me just say first off, literally what we were talking about, it wasn't a big issue to people because... Pretty much within like 48, maybe 72 hours, maybe not even the full 72 hours, you didn't even see anybody talking about it. There wasn't like a new post on Reddit. There wasn't any more tweets coming up. I didn't see anything in the Facebook groups. It was basically just done. So it's not even like, this is the stuff we talk about. Like if there were issues, they would be concerning, ongoing, there'd be movements, whatever. There's, It's not that big a deal. It's just not. But I bring it up. To say that the haters, first off, if you don't have haters, you're probably not working hard enough. But these racist haters, they actually did me a favor last week, Brian. And and I'm not talking about, like, showing me who to block, because they did help with that quite a lot, which was nice. But they actually brought me a bigger audience. 
And, you know, you may think, well, that doesn't make a lot of sense. How do the racists bring about your audience? Well, the way social media works, they were basically putting some of my tweets and links in front of a lot of other people who apparently went, oh, this guy seems cool. I'm going to go check his stuff out. So I had a bump on YouTube in subscribers and had a bump on Twitch in followers. So between the two, I got probably another 100, somewhere between 120, 150 people in my sphere because they were mass sharing my content. I'm like, man, thanks a lot. Like, I never thought I'd be just thanking the racist haters, but here we are. I, you know, I don't think I could have done it without them. So thank you. Because it, because for as much as we talk about it, maybe this is a case of like, on some level, even bad press is good press. <laughs> like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I guess this is what they mean by that. Like, I don't, I don't really know. It's controversy it, creates cash. Is Eric Michelle? Yeah. That goes in that category too. Like, this is a little bit weird. Because, like, and don't get me wrong. Yes, it came with a lot of negativity, if we're being serious, right? Like, I, I literally had, like, three to four hours on a Saturday night where I'm just, like, checking people's feeds and blocking or reporting people, you know, for being overtly racist. So there was some negative that came with it. But the other side of that is I did find several people who are like, oh, man, I didn't even know you were doing stuff. Or, oh, this is really cool. And like, oh, somebody doing something different. Or, hey, some people even saying like, oh, it's cool to see a black guy making magic content or whatever. So, yeah, just getting that extra exposure was not. Now, I'm not saying go out and create controversy. Just do it because the, the downside could be a serious downside. And in with magic, you'll <laughs> never have to create controversy. It has plenty of its own. Oh, yeah. I would say gaming as a whole. Like, yeah. There's just always something. You know, whether it's poor depictions of characters, some company screwing up a tournament series, artwork depicting a thing, like, there, it's constant. Hell, we're probably about to have some, because well, Diablo launched today, right? Today's the six. So, like, so. there's there's a chance people are going to be complaining about something priced a certain way in their, their store or whatever, because they're money-grubbing whatever, right? That's going to be news here probably by the end of the week. <laughs> like, you can almost anticipate it. Right. There's going to be something. But, yeah, you know, this, I just I just wanted to say thank you to all my haters because they actually genuinely helped me out this week. And that was nice. It was weird when I saw the bump and I'm like, what's this all about? And then I start backtracking to some of the people and seeing when they started following me or whatever. I'm like, oh, this all adds up and makes sense. So it took a little while to figure it out. But, yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh, just a, a watershed moment for uh, American. When I say American, there's a lot of people involved in the PGA Tour, uh, even more so now. But yeah, about a year ago, the uh, I was say about half of the golfers on the PGA Tour went and joined a tour started by the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund, which is uh, controlled by Saudi's Crown Prince, and you know. Basically, a lot of people levied allegations of what they call now call sports washing. It's kind of the same thing they've talked about in terms of the uh, WWE doing events over there, where they're hoping to increase their uh, increase their some good PR by you know doing. Hey, look, we got golf, we got wrestling. We're just like you. We love sports. We love entertainment. We swear we're not bad, even though you know we sometimes kidnap and murder journalists and have a horrible record on human rights. But other than that, we're just like you. 
And for uh, about a year now, the PGA has called the, the live tour and the golfers on the tour everything but a child of God, Brought, which again are valid concerns about working with the Saudi Arabian government and how they just couldn't believe any golfer they would take themselves, you know, seriously could, could do something like this. And if brought out people who lost folks in 9-11. We just, this isn't something we want to be a part of. And then, lo and behold, today we find out the PGA Tour and Live Golf are doing a merger. Like, WTF! You know, you, you, this was your arch enemy 24 hours ago, and nobody should work with them. And now it's, for, it's being described as a merger. It sounds like uh, the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund has basically purchased the PGA Tour. So people are, you know, it looks hypocritical. It looks bad because, I mean, it is <laughs> hypocritical and bad. And this is just, I guess this is going to be the Saudi Arabia Public Investment Fund's big purchase. Hey, you know, how how well does this, uh, does this sports watching thing work? Are we still going to be talking about any serious issues regarding their ownership of the PGA Tour, say, a year 18 months from now, or people just going to be talking about, hey, you know, Tiger had a great round yesterday, or Rory had a great round, or whoever. I guess we are soon to find out, and I'm afraid I probably already know the answer. Yeah, I. it's a weird one, man. Like, I don't know where this, because as far as I can tell, there's not, like, hard details yet on what the agreement is. So, I don't know if they're buying, like, 51%, you know, or, like, is it an outright purchase? Are you going to keep certain people on or not? Like there's, there's a lot, but I'm with you. Like, it's one of those things that, you know, and like I said, we're both wrestling fans, right? And and there's that real talk of when Vince McMahon decides he wanted to put a show now, multiple shows a year in Saudi Arabia, everybody's a little bit uncomfortable about it, but we were all on the side of, yeah, but it's a pile of money, and you wouldn't expect Vince McMahon to do anything different. The difference here is when you're saying, like, oh, these people are bad, and we don't want to work with them, and it's terrible what they're doing. And then you're like, but, you know, we'll probably take their money. It's cool. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Vince just said, yeah, I hear your concerns, but they're giving me hundreds of millions of dollars, so I'm in. As you said, Vince never pretended to be anybody other than Vince McMahon. Yeah. yeah. For the past year, the PGA Tour has just – decried how horrible it was that anybody took Saudi Arabia's money and essentially branded the golfers that did this traitors. And I guess it was more, they were more concerned about the being traitors to the PGA than to the United States or democracy or anything along those lines. And yeah, it looks, I mean, it doesn't even look bad. It is bad after for the past year, you claim to be, you know, coming from this high moral platform. Yeah. And it, and it's all, very weird on a lot of levels you know it's it's very layered because even thinking about the wrestling thing right or not even that like let's say you were somebody with like dreamhack where they do a bunch of events in different cities around the world there are a lot of fans of a lot of games and a lot of players and companies whatever that just happen to live in that region so like do you never put anything there at all because we disagree with some of the things that their government has done, which is valid. I'm not saying we should or shouldn't. I'm just saying it's a real question. And then those fans or people who live there or grew up there never get exposed to anything else. You know, they never get to enjoy some of these other things. 
just because of where they happen to live. And that is a, I think it's a tougher question and conversation than we really make it out to be sometimes. Because I, in, even on a smaller level, I've had those questions sometimes too, you know, to get political for a second, because, you know, you know what it's like living in Texas, obviously. When you try to have some conversations with people based on political beliefs or whatever, I've had some times where I've had to decide, like, okay, I get it that these people tend to be more on the opposite side of the issues or whatever than me, but like, do I not ever talk to them or work with them so they can get exposure to other people and see that things are better or can be different or whatever? Or do I just stay completely away from them? Right, like, and that's all, I mean, for each person, it's going to be different. Like, I don't even know if there's a true right or wrong answer. And, and being on the, the opposite side of the political spectrum is one thing. Kidnapping a journalist oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah, dismembering yeah. him no, is no, no. a whole other level. I'm not saying that they have not done some foul things because they very much have. But I'm just saying, like, it, it, there's levels to different conversations that makes me wonder, you know, how each person or each company views it. Because, like, most companies are going to be like, hey, the money's big enough. I'm going to take the money. Yeah, you know, sad, but accurate. They're going to take the money. They're going to make their shareholders happy, whatever. But it's when the companies aren't as big or it involves a lot of individuals, where does that conversation change? And I, and I don't know, man. It's tough. But yeah, this this golf thing's pretty pretty wild to hear about, all things considered. And like I said, to this point, we don't know any real details. So it'd be kind of an interesting story to follow up on and, and see what the outcome is. How much do they buy? What does it do to the tours, players? Hell, I don't know. What does it do for advertising or TV contracts for those events here? Because now you'll have networks and different sponsors that have to make a decision, right? Like, were they cool sponsoring somebody or an event when it was stateside or run by the PGA? Now that it's not, potentially, we don't know. But if majority ownership now happens to be the Saudis, are they okay with that? Right? I don't know. And some of them might have their own political things or have made statements or whatever that put them on the opposite side of something or whatever. So they can't sponsor anymore without yeah. looking bad. So like it's, there's a lot, man. There's going to be a lot of moving parts to that one. Good, good call out though. Cause that's a thing that I think we probably need to keep eyes on because we already have issues with foreign entities buying stuff here in the States. And we don't talk a lot about it, but I mean, there's, I believe it's middle Easterners that own a lot of property in like, I want to say Utah, where they're actually like growing alfalfa and stuff and shipping it over there to feed their animals. Like we have a bunch of Chinese that own housing and business properties here in the United States or whatever. So like there's there's a lot of that already. And now that you have sports entities being purchased or entertainment now being purchased from outside sources, I don't know what that does to us as a country, what it does because, I mean, especially right now, while some of these, I mean, you know, you start talking about maybe somebody comes in and buys Warner Brothers because we know they're having issues or whatever, right? Yeah. Like, then what happens? Like, what can you can or not depict on shows or have or, you know. I'm not saying, not trying to be a doomsayer, just saying something to keep an eye on for sure. But we have some other pretty interesting news. So why don't we get into that? Because I think we both have something interesting to share that the community is going to want to hear about so what do you got for us dude all right uh madden 24 there's been a well the one of it'll probably be several leaks as we get closer to the usually around august release of madden 24 
And apparently there may be some NFTs in Madden. You can imagine what the community reaction is. Of course, one of the things is, you know, Madden Ultimate Team cards, kind of like Arena cards, are already kind of NFTs in the sense that it's a digital object that you can't, you have no physical component. So it's, this is going to be weird. One of the things that they've talked about, maybe an NFT in Madden 24 is perhaps different uniforms for your team like perhaps a, a uniform could be one of one and they think it's mad something people will, will pay for to be the only person on madden server wearing this uniform i mean i'm not gonna lie i probably if i get one of those and it's one of one i'm probably gonna wear it unless of course somebody wants to pay me some exorbitant amount for it then yeah i probably would sell it to them if that's something they want to pay me a couple of hundred dollars for i don't it, it's gonna be it, it's going to be unusual. One of the things that one of the ways NFT work NFTs work is even if let's say 90% of your online community has no interest in them whatsoever, nine or 10% of the people will create their own economy and they'll generate sometimes billions of dollars for the company. So it's one of those will. And of course, one of the things people are concerned about is, yeah, man, you got a lot of problems. <laughs> This is what you're dedicating resources to, not, you know, making sure that the game actually works or that people don't get locked out of their account for unlocking certain cards because those are problems that we had over the past year. They, I think at one point basically stopped trading because they just couldn't figure out how to fix the market. So that doesn't really bode well for adding more transactions to Madden server. Yeah, I don't know if i'm really outright offended like because because i'm with you right like nft can mean multiple things depending on how they decide to do it and like people forget like if you ever hear moto used to describe magic online it's literally because that was a shorthand version for magic online digital objects like that's why it was called moto and that's what you have right there you opened a thing a thing got assigned to your account. It now has a code and it can be tracked between trades and transactions and whatever else. And it now exists in this sphere that you don't have a digital version or a physical version, but for all practical intents and purposes, you own it and can trade it and sell it and whatever. So in that regard, it's like, okay, well, Madden Ultimate Team already is a bunch of NFTs, right? You open a pack, you get a thing, it's assigned to your account. You can put it in the shop and sell it or whatever, or trade it, whatever you want to do. So it's like, Okay, that part doesn't bother me. Now, would I? I'm with you. Like, I'm not probably going to buy one of those, let's say, like you're saying, unique jerseys, but it'd be cool to get a nice little bonus if somebody's paying like 10 or 20K for one. Like, I would totally sell it. So I'm like, I'm not mad that there being one of ones out there that could be worth a bunch of money. As long as it's nothing that affects gameplay, I don't think I have a big problem with it. But to your same point, there are a lot of other issues in Madden you'd like to see fixed first. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's them messing around making NFTs. So like, uh, yeah, that's that's a... I think it's more that the term NFT has become a hot button. Partly because what everybody knows to be an NFT are basically like the Bored Ape, whatever, yeah. Yacht Club, just bad art that people were pay at one point paying like a million dollars for or whatever, you know. And once that fell out, that's sort of what people associate with being NFTs, not realizing that we own a lot of things already that kind of are NFTs, just 
they have a different purpose other than just being a collectible piece of art. But yeah, I don't know. I like, uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, they'll make more money off of it because, you know, even if they just get whatever, 10% of the transaction costs or whatever, they're still going to make bank on it. So sure. It was only a matter of time until they started making unique pieces, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I'm eh, People will be, be mad. We will be talking about it next season when they probably have to shut the market down again because the NFTs aren't working. Yeah, exactly. But on a side note, it must suck to work at a game company because nothing seems to stay secret anymore. I feel like every game that's come out in the last couple of years, we all know so much about them before they even put out their first real press release. Yeah, there are so, as the say it goes, if two people know a secret, that's one too many. In the case of any video game, especially one that's as big budget as Madden, there's a minimum of what, a couple of thousand people that work on this. Yeah. And, and, and too many places for a leak to happen. And to put it in perspective, I remember years ago, back in the early 2000s or early, I guess around 2010, when they were doing the actual like uh, secret invasion story in, in Marvel. And then you find out that they had been setting that story up for like four years or something. Yeah. Before it went live. And they're like, as it's coming together, showing you like snippets from different books or whatever. And like, Things that seemed odd now start making sense. And I'm thinking, how did you keep that a secret for that long? Because I had been to trade shows. I've been talking to people that were hardcore comic nerds. Like, nobody was talking about it. So, like, they must have had, like, a death threat level NDA. Or, in some <laughs> cases, they probably didn't tell the writer. Because you got to think about how many times does a writer for a comic book get, hey, you got to shoehorn this character into the thing because this crossover is happening and it doesn't make sense. But you're like, whatever. The boss said to shoehorn this character in. For some of them, that's probably true. So they probably are just used to being told, hey, yeah, could you throw the Punisher in this in this X-Men crossover? <laughs> Why? Yeah, for, for some of them, that's probably true. Where you're like, I don't know if I could trust this dude, but we need we need him to pencil some stuff in here. So, yeah. you know, we got we got to give him something. So I'm betting they probably only told artists and writers just the bare minimum about what they needed to know. Because, again, they get so many, so many mandates. Like, what are the reasons, the death and return of Superman, one of the reasons it happened was because... Uh, they wanted Superman to get married, I think, in the in the comic book. But no, nah, we're doing a TV show, and unless we can match these things up simultaneously, you, you can't let him get married. So oh, okay, well then I what never else? Heard that. So what else could we do? And then somebody jokingly said, Let's kill him. And then the more they thought about it, like, hey, wait. Yeah, we should kill him. <laughs> and then it came. So Superman almost got married and still ended up getting beat to death. Which, by the way, that was one of the coolest things to buy. Because it came yeah. in that, like, black bag with, like, the bloody Superman logo. Yeah. And, like, it had, like, the memorial armband inside. And, like, right. it came with it came with a bunch of, like, cool little trinkets. Like, that, that was a cool promotion all around. Like, congrats well, to them for getting that right. Well, of course, you bought that thing, you know, thinking Superman was going to stay dead because you don't read comic books. <laughs> no, like, none of us believe. Like, there were some people who did. Yeah, but. we didn't, but a lot of people paid 100 for that thing thinking, oh, this is going to be a big deal. Or, <laughs> now it's a year later, he's back. No, no, and what's, what's bad is I remember, because I bought a couple, because I knew somebody who worked at a comic shop, and, like, I was able to get my hand, I think, on three of them when they were, like, 15 or 20 bucks. And man, they peaked at like fifty to seventy dollars, if I remember right. At least the ones I sold. And then now you can pick those up for next to nothing because there's so many out there. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad. 
And and nobody, you know, opened them because <laughs> oh, yeah. they thought they were collector's items. That's the thing. Like, side note for anybody who's thinking about buying other collectibles, like non-magic stuff, understand that any sports cards produced after about, like, 1985 or any comics after about 88, there are tons out there. Yeah. And it's not even just about the number. It's like if you want a mint condition version of any of those things, probably tens of thousands exist. That's why they're not worth very much. Like you'll literally see people sell like long boxes of comics from that era for like 10 bucks. Yeah. My my mom heard all those stories about people finding comics in their attic that were worth thousands. And she started buying first edition of anything, but she didn't understand that, you know, it it had to be something that people cared about. Look, it's the first edition of Alf. Is that ever going to be worth anything? No. God, no. But but the comic companies even knew. So they were finding reasons to do mini series and stuff, whatever, just so they could have more number ones that they knew people were going to buy. Right. Like it was terrible. This is number one of although I now wish I had it just because it's kind of a running joke for me. NFL Super Pro. Dude, I had that at one point. Oh my God. Yeah, NFL Super Pro sucks. Of course it did. <laughs> I don't even and it's weird. I don't even know how I got it because I never actually bought it. I think it was maybe part of some collection I picked up or something. Right. Or Which would make sense that somebody something. was trying to offload that because it wasn't very good. One of my former coworkers that gave her to that would buy me these gag gifts. She would purposely find the most horrible game that she could purchase on Steam. And you know, there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of just just horrible. Like the the best one was Squishy the Suicidal Pig. That you know what? That's right up there with me having to explain that Peter Parker was a real comic. Yeah. Because yeah. like when that came up in the movies or whatever. And somebody's like, oh, that's weird. Spider-Man is a pig. And I'm like, no, no, no. That was actually a thing once upon a time. Yep. And they were like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's Peter Porker, the amazing Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. That's actually yep. a real thing. <laughs> and they were like, no. And yes. then they were just like stunned to find out. I was like, yeah, comics, there were some dark moments in there for a while, y'all. <laughs> if well, you just... Now the character is beloved, so it worked out. Yeah, if you just got into comics in the last like 20 years, you're getting to enjoy all the good stuff. Like, we've already endured and read through all the crappy stuff for you. So hopefully they're not going to do that to you again. Because now they know what works and sells and you can make movies off of or whatever. Because comics really, for the last couple of decades, have been hitting. There's been some good stuff out there. But all right. So this is, I think, the fourth time we've mentioned this story on this show. But man, okay. If they're not somebody right now, a director, a Spike Lee or somebody isn't making some type of documentary, a 30 for 30 of this story, they're just missing an opportunity because this is too good. So Xavier Babadar, which you might have heard us mention him before as Chief Saholic, the guy who dresses up as a wolf for whatever reason in a Chiefs outfit or at a Chiefs game wearing a Chiefs jersey. He was a super fan that showed up at every single game, apparently hadn't missed a game up until I think last season or whatever for the previous like 10 years. Then he just went missing. Nobody knew where he was. Turns out it's because he'd been arrested robbing a bank. They find out that up to this point, nobody even knew his name. So that was a thing. But then they found out his actual name because he showed up, uh, you know, having to take some mug shots and stuff. And apparently he'd been funding his, fandom i guess we want to call it that (laughs) through small theft and apparently robberies 
and finally got caught. No, that got caught in the wolf outfit. That's the part that's still of the whole thing. Like, why would you dress in a similar or same costume that you wear on Sundays? Well, nobody would. You think they're like, nah, that's not the KC Wolf, dude. I mean, maybe, but it's like, you know what I mean? Like, why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense. But anyway, this dude gets arrested. We find start finding out stuff about his history. He's got some slight ties to the mob and stuff or whatever. And apparently they take leniency on him and they still were going to let him out. You know, he's got to make bail. They set up a bail hearing. And then he skips it. So now, Chief Saholic is number five on Kansas City's most wanted list. This story just is constantly a story that keeps giving. Like, I don't even know what to make it. Like, random dude who was a super fan showing up in his wolf outfit to cheer on the Chiefs turns out to be a small-time bank robber and the wolf is now on the lamb. <laughs> you had to. I had you to. had to. Dude. I couldn't help <laughs> it. I had to. Bad to call. Bad to. I'd have done it if you didn't. Though. And he's number five on Kansas City's most wanted list. God, between him and Jackson Mahomes, Chiefs fandom is just having some embarrassing moments right now. It's wild, man. It's wild. Like, I don't. Speaking of, did you see the guy that was stealing iPhones while wearing a box on his head? Yeah, I don't even understand that. And then, of course, the box falls off his head because it's a damn cardboard box and it's a terrible disguise. Also, and, let me let me be fair. Let me be fair to Chiefs fans real quick, because they did get their, I guess, you know, they won the Super Bowl, get to go see the president, all that. I don't know if you saw the clip, but the president was taking pictures with Mahomes and Kelsey. For those of you who don't know, Mahomes is their tight or quarterback and Kelsey's their tight end. And, you know, while they're taking pictures, Kelsey pats the, the, the president on his shoulder and goes, yeah, just stay right here for a second. And he walks over to the podium. The presidential podium is like, man, I've always waited for this moment. And and then, like, Mahomes sees him and then, like, grabs him and pulls him away before he can, like, say something stupid. And I'm like, man, good on those guys. You might as well just enjoy the moment. Like, oh, man. Like Joe already fell last week. Don't do it. Don't try to tackle him, guys. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But yeah, I don't know, man. Chiefsaholic. I I am going. I this is one of those weird stories I am just enamored with at this point. Like it's so it just there's so this is another one of those times. I feel like you can't write stories like this because they sound so made up, nobody would believe it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it makes no sense front to back, but this is a real thing unfolding with a real person and history in the city with the fandom and whatever. Like, it's it's crazy. Real life gives you way better stuff than you could ever write. But all right, let's get into our topics because we have a couple things before we get to the dinner table here. Just a quick thing here as a reminder, I'm going to be in Canada, which is why hopefully you're listening to this on Wednesday instead of Thursday, if I can get it out on time. I'm going to be going to Canada for the first time to be part of the Loading Ready Run pre-pre-release, uh, along with Mana Curves, Chase, and uh, Zbex. We're going to be the three guests going out there. And uh, man, it's a little weird because everybody's super excited online to have me be part of the show, which is cool. but. 
I didn't I mean, think you, you want them to be excited, right? Yeah, but like I didn't think it was like it's been overwhelmingly positive. So like, and I don't know how much is for me or for Zbex, right? But you know what? Thank y'all for like just being excited to watch me. So I'm gonna make sure I'm well rested that I'm I'm bringing my A game can be entertaining because it's gonna be a long day. You know, I want to make sure I at least entertain the folks appropriately if they're that excited about it. And I found out we're going to be the last show they're doing in their current location. So, oh wow! I also get to sh- shut down the place effectively. So I got to make it worth it. Yeah, I got to, got to, got to bring my my A game, my good entertainment voice, and uh, really get things going. But I'm I'm excited about it because the other two times we tried to go to Canada, or at least we planned we were going to go like spend a weekend in Vancouver or whatever. But like a snowstorm happened one time, and then like rains or floods or something were happening between us and them and one of the cities we'd have to drive through or whatever. So we just decided, all right, we'll just get around to it. And then, you know, pandemic happens. So there's like two or three years. We didn't do nothing. So it's like, okay, first time I get to go do something there. Not the way I thought I was going to, but you know, I get to go check it out. And, you know, I have my, my passport, which I guess I don't need it. Cause I'm going to be going by boat technically. Cause I got to take a ferry between here and there. But apparently as it turns out, if you go by land or by boat, you don't need a passport. You need, but you will need some type of like enhanced driver's license or what they call a passport license. I I don't understand why that works that way. Yeah, I don't either. Because like, do, do they a, just not do they not need to keep track of you if you come in by water? Yeah, I don't know. I thought that's the how same pirates thing. come into your country. It seems like that'd be even more. You want to keep even better track? I I don't know. If, I mean, if anybody knows, please let us know why you don't need a passport. Yeah, because obviously there's more letter. more checks at the airport, right? You got to check your bags and they yeah. put you through the scanner and all that stuff. But I'm assuming I'm going to get on the other side. I'm going to get off the ferry and they're just going to check for ID. And then I'm going to be in Canada. <laughs> like weird, but I'm like, OK, now me being me, I'm still bringing the passport. because i'm not gonna let somebody be like well sorry sir we need because i man after all that driving and taking the long ass ferry over there like i'm gonna make sure i'm getting in like i ain't taking any chances but yeah i'm looking forward to it it's gonna it's gonna be fun it's something we've been trying to make happen for for a minute and finally schedules lined up and it makes sense so yeah a lot going on this weekend but should be a lot of fun Yeah, and since we hinted at it, let, let's just get the bad news out of the way this week. Uh, earlier today, which I guess is Tuesday that we're recording this, Twitch made some announcements that just sent all of creator internet and their fans off the walls. Like, and don't get me wrong, like, again, we, we dog stuff when they get stuff wrong. We praise it when they get stuff right. Even recently, they were doing some stuff where, like, you can convert things to short-form video now, and they had some cool things they'd added, right? Some nice quality-of-life stuff for creators. And we're like, oh, okay, Twitch is fine. Now, some things we thought they should have had already, but at least they're doing them, right? We are like, okay, cool. But in the back of my mind, I was like, this usually happens right before something really bad gets announced. <laughs> like, I'm just, like, waiting. And then the other shoe dropped. So now, they rolled out... I'm trying to figure out the, the terminology they used, but their new... Branded content guidelines, I think is what they called it. And it's been a lot to piece through because obviously there's a lot of speculation and Twitch made their announcement and it was kind of radio silent, but there was a lot of stuff that's kind of ambiguous. 
the first thing that I could find was that apparently there was some type of, and I couldn't tell if there was a meeting or some violation that happened, but some discussion between Twitch and or Amazon and the FTC about streaming and how the streams are being noted as being branded content. Because that's the thing across all of social media. Like if I go put up a thing saying, hey, if I'm not clearly saying I'm sponsored by this thing, like let's say as an example on this show, right? Like if I decide to go talk about something on Twitter and say, hey, you should go to coolstuffinc.com and buy XYZ because this is on sale, right? I need to include with that something that says hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored, whatever. So the reader knows that I'm saying this partially because it, and at a minimum, they do sponsor my stuff and could be influencing me to make this post. Because in the early days of the internet, there was the whole discussions on like, well, I'm telling you to go buy this thing because I really like it. But like, do I like it like it? Or am I telling you this because I'm secretly being paid for it? And you don't know. Right. And this kind of manipulating the readers or the viewers or whatever. So this is something across all of social media, like even on YouTube, you know, like I just recently had some stuff go up with Mint Mobile. That ad says, hey, there's a paid sponsor for this video, particularly because they paid me to produce exactly this and talk about their stuff with their language and whatever. But we didn't have that on Twitch, right? You could have full on sponsor things and people didn't have anything in their titles or whatever. So, OK, cool. Now they're going to have a thing where you go in. There's a branded content disclosure tool. You go click a button. Your thing pops up when you're streaming and it says like, hey, this has branded whatever in it. Cool. That part, I think we're all okay with. It's an extra step. It kind of sucks, but whatever. Everything else. Whoo, boy. <laughs> okay, for starters, if you read through your stuff previously, they were only restricting, I guess we'll call it multi-streaming, to affiliates or from affiliates and partners. Now you could stream while you're on Twitch to mobile first content, whether it's like Instagram or TikTok, could not do it to something like YouTube that's a web first platform. But if you weren't an affiliate or a partner, you could kind of just do it anyway and didn't matter. Nobody's gonna come looking for you. Supposedly now this is gonna be extended to everybody. Now, between you and me, I ain't never seen them police it and stop anybody from doing it anyway. Not saying, wondering. <laughs> not saying you should go do it, but just saying, I don't know how the hell they're going to police every random Joe Schmo on the site. Because, like, who cares, right? If somebody's only got five viewers on Twitch, do you really care that they're streaming to YouTube or TikTok or whatever? Like, it's such a weird rule to even institute because what's what's the gain for Twitch? Like, the person's obviously not having success on your platform anyway. So, like, what are you going to do? Chase them off to something else? Like, it, it, it's weird. It was already a slight problem for people that were higher tiered. It's weird to just have it for, like, randoms on the site. I, I don't get that at all. But then it gets a lot worse. They have a whole set of rules on how you can or can't present content or branded content. Some of it isn't even very clear. So I'm going to scroll through their page here and kind of go through their stuff. The disclosure tool makes sense. No problem there. They do have a section that explains permitted and prohibited brand sponsorship formats. So for the permitted stuff, you can have branded panels on your channel page 
So basically at the bottom where you have the banners and stuff, you can click on links and go to my sponsors or whatever. Like can still do all that. You can have product placement in the background. So if let's say I'm showing off some new shirts or whatever sponsored, I can have them hanging behind me or whatever, right? That's fine. You apparently can include links to other sites through like your bots or whatever. So if you put something in chat, you can send people to whatever the other website is. So, so far, I'm like, okay, this all kind of makes sense, right? You can discuss, or as they put, discuss, endorse, or unbox products or services. Okay, so there's a new thing that I'm doing a stream for to show off a new product. I can put it on camera, talk about it. All right. And then you can play sponsored games. So a company can pay you to say like, hey, we have a new thing releasing next week. This is our pre-release weekend to show it off. Do you want to do a stream talking about our game to get people to go buy it? So that I read through that one. Okay, so far, so good. Then we got to the limitations or what's not allowed at all. So the one thing they have under limitations is you can have logos on stream or in overlays that are limited to 3% of the screen size. Now, part of the problem here is 3% is not very much real estate to start with. And also... Creators have made their content in a lot of ways to make room for their ad reels and different things or whatever, because that was how they were paying their bills. But we also don't know, is 3% all the images you have on your overlay or just particularly something like your ad will for like that particular ad that's popping up? Because that's a big difference, right? Like if I have, let's say I'm on a stream team and I've got my ad wheel running and maybe I have a branded stream that I'm supposed to put somebody's logo or something or game title or something on my screen or whatever. Well, that could be three different things that are taking up maybe up to 10% of the screen, right? So now people are kind of like, I don't know what to do with this because there's, again, no clarity on it. Then stuff that's outright not allowed, inserted burned in video ads, they say. Now, the assumption was they were basically meaning anything that originated from your streaming platform or service, OBS, XSplit, whatever, and show up on your stream that effectively can't be removed. They're, they're part of your video. But then sometime within the last couple hours, Twitch did finally break their silence and come out and say, well, we know some of this is ambiguous. What we meant by burned in ads is stuff that would come from a third party platform Still not completely clear, but now there's people assuming they mean something like if you had a deal. And the only example I have I could think of would be like a Google Ads type thing where it's just on your screen coming from a third party platform and then it's running its ads or showing stuff or whatever while you're streaming. So I'm like, OK, if that's what they mean, maybe. But again, we don't have clarity. And then they have burned in display ads. Streamers may not display or banner ads directly into their stream. So now it's like, well, isn't that what most esports organizations do? Running ads and different things for the games or partners or different brands within the companies that they're running games for? That's largely how they pay a lot of their bills. So now that's not going to be a thing, supposedly, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So like, I don't even know. Hell, honestly... Even charity streams, right? A lot of them are like, hey, we have these banner ads and these things showing off logos and reminding you what the stream's about. And, you know, we're showing off stuff that 
we're giving away for prizes or whatever. And it's just like, okay, does is all of that good? None of that good? Some of it is, some of it isn't. That's going to get some people in trouble with charity stuff. So that's not good. And then there's also can't have, again, burned in. We're assuming they mean third party audio ads. I don't even know what an audio ad would be. Like, I've never watched a Twitch stream. I, I mean, I guess if somebody played their own audio from a thing while they were live, but I don't, I don't know. That one, that one's just weird to even include. I mean, and it might just be a legal thing that, like, you have to say video and audio or something, and you just have to include it in there. But yeah, so beyond that, the obvious is, you know, you can't brand or promote hateful products, illegal products, gambling stuff, you know, all, all the usuals. You know, not allowed to do stuff about, like, weapons or firearms, adult material, tobacco, blah, blah, blah. So that part's all fine and good. Nobody, Nobody's really worried about that. But all that being said, Brian, that was a lot. Like, what was your takeaway from these announcements and seeing how people were reacting to it on social media today? I mean, people, the the, the, the people that, that hate it are, as, as I think I said last week, you know, and I can't decide. I look at kind of who's on each side and when uh people like uh Pokemon and Asmogold talk about they might stream somewhere else. That just kind of tells me what I need to know. It sounds bad. Yeah, and I saw a little bit of that too where some people were saying, well like a couple of people said, "Hey, they're they're taking offers for non-exclusive streaming on other platforms if anybody wants to reach out to them." There were some people saying, "You know what? I might start putting some of my time on, you know, Kick or on YouTube or whatever." Which we talked. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, Kick apparently has announced a program where they might be able to pay people an hourly rate. Which, if that's a real thing, the timing for that is not great for Twitch. Yeah, Twitch tried a version of that with their ads per hour type thing or whatever, and they goofed that all to hell. Like that was so inconsistent as far as what they offered to people. But yeah, it's it's one of those things where when you you look at it and say, okay kind of like we talked about before twitch might in a weird way actually be okay with this because they've said supposedly they lose money on their top streamers yeah this might be a way out of some bad deals for them they can be hey we, we don't want to break your contract, or we, we legally can't break your contract but if you want to break it and go somewhere else yeah especially if they're exclusive deals or whatever maybe like, I don't know, like, but I'm with you when I, this is because usually there's at least a person doing like the devil's advocate thing or whatever. Right. I haven't even seen that today. I mean, literally 100% of everything I've seen has been, yeah, this is a bad idea. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Like, why are they doing this? Because again, looking at it, it's like, even, like there has to be some logical. Re- the only thing I could have is I'm s- complete speculation. Is one of two things for me is they're either planning something where they're going to have bought ads appear on your actual screen as an overlay, and they don't want competing ads with potential like partner brands or whatever on there. Maybe the other is that. Maybe this is a precursor to them wanting to roll out their own sponsored stream type program, sort of like Stream Elements has. And that's a way to encourage people to sign up for that to try to make extra money. 
which of course Twitch would probably be taking 50% or whatever, you know, that whole thing. But otherwise, I don't know why you would do this, right? You're just upsetting everybody. You're making it harder for people to potentially make money when you've recently taken away money because now, you know, they've taken away the 70-30 split on all new accounts or all new agreements or whatever. So it's like, what are they doing? I mean, I guess there's a third conspiracy that somebody at YouTube's just doing an inside job over at Twitch and leading to a bunch <laughs> of bad decisions. I, I hadn't heard that one, but then maybe. You know what I mean? Like, some of these... We talk about secret evasion. Like, yeah, there's scrolls over there. Yeah, I'm just saying some of the like a decision like this is so bad that it's like you had to really be convinced that this was okay because they put out a whole thing with like cute little infographics and you know whatever. So somebody put real plan. This has been in the works for a little minute because somebody put like some real work into like explaining here's what you can and can't do and have, putting little cute pictures together or whatever. So this isn't like they just threw something out there. So supposedly they're going to clarify their language. We'll all be happy then. <laughs> yeah, they have to because there is. We, we swear, uh, we, we swear, more, <laughs> more stuff coming. That's not stupid. We promise. There's just so much here that needs to be clarified. Like there are people literally afraid. Well, a couple of different camps, right? There's people that are just afraid to be in violation because right now they're like, well, if I put something up, and you know, let's say it's supposed to be three percent of your total screen, not three percent per item. Does that mean you just get your stream shut down? Do you lose your affiliate status? Like nobody and granted this all starts July 1st, so there's a few weeks still. But nobody knows even what to do in some cases. There's people panicking because they have a lot of partnership and brand deals based around stuff being on stream or being labeled or putting a banner or a link or whatever and they're like, "Okay, well is this all still good or not?" If so, they have to go renegotiate all their deals or find another way to promote them or whatever. Or the companies even, because some of these companies sponsor 50 different streamers, right? They've got to figure out, okay, is the thing we're asking them to do going to get them in trouble? Are we going to be in legal trouble? Like we have to do something, right? So this is a very poorly thought out announcement <laughs> with no details because you have everybody in panic mode, which is only going to lead to a lot of negative PR for Twitch because when people are antsy and worried and anxious, speculation runs wild that, that's it's that way about everything not even twitch specific that's just humans being humans so i would think something this big that's going to realistically affect everybody on your platform on some level because even if it doesn't now they have to plan to work around these rules in the future like you needed more clarity than this this is the type of thing that like i would have ran it by a couple of people in like a sample group taking that feedback, take another day to do the more detailed write-up, and then launch it all together. And honestly, I might even have led with whatever the impetus was to create this new thing. If it was like, hey, we recently had meetings with the FTC, it led to us adding this tool, but while we were there, we figured we should do these other things for these reasons. And then here's all the stuff detailed out. Even that would probably make people feel better. Because even if you disagreed, you could at least go like, okay, I get where it originated. I understand the logic of what you're trying to plan for. Cool. And we may not like it, but we just go, all right, at least it makes sense. Right now, we're all just going, I, I don't know why you would want to do any of this. And we're all just speculating on reasons because we got nothing. So I don't know. I I think it's bad. I think people are going to be upset. 
hopefully by the end of the week we have some level of clarity and maybe we could talk about it next week and and what we learn but that said why don't we go ahead and get into the dinner table here brian for those of you that don't know there's been a recent problem with particularly nfl players gambling and it's led to some long suspensions. Most recently, I believe Calvin Ridley, his was technically indefinite. And then, you know, after some meetings and conversations, whatever, it was reduced down to basically a full season. But now we have another round of players. And then uh, he's the end of the Falcons got rid of him. So in terms of being a Falcon, yeah, I guess it is indefinite. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> the other thing, too, right? To some of these people are going to lose their jobs, too. I, I want to say, I think he's playing for the Colts now or somebody. Or uh, for he, Jacksonville. He got, he's yeah, with I the think Jaguars. he got picked up by somebody. Yeah. The, the one thing I will say, though, is the NFL has always been very open to the point that every story says it's something they drill into rookies. Apparently, there's signage in and out of almost every locker room. Like, you absolutely do not gamble on the NFL while you are under the hire of an NFL team. Period. This seems like a pretty easy thing to understand. And, and that even goes, to my understanding, to staff, admin, everybody. Yeah. Like, you were hired by the NFL. You are not betting on NFL games. For obvious reasons, because you yeah. might have access to insider information. And at that point, it becomes, you know, what everybody dreaded when they talked about NFL and gambling being, you know. Oh, yeah. Now, we did joke about because there was that, like, two-week thing last season where dudes were talking about the NFL being scripted and they did a whole, like, social media. And the guys were genuinely joking. It was tongue-in-cheek. It was really well done. I mean, credit to them. But people were buying into it and believing it. Yeah. So like, the, Oh, my God, the script for the Super Bowl is leaked. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that people were willing to believe that already, you can't have images or even the thought of your players betting on games being a real thing. Right. That's just not even like that's the one thing that the NFL like they'll have some issues with you. You can go through some stuff, whatever. But like gambling on the NFL. That's the number one peak of everything. Like the integrity of the shield does not not come into question. But that did lead me to some other things of thinking. Right. We've seen conspiracies and other sports. We've seen people get punished. You know, there's the infamous like Pete Rose situation. You know, we've there's I think I told you off the air a story about some literally made up soccer games that happened that people were betting on, yeah. you know, and whatever this crooked sports book was, was taking money from people for outcomes of things that never even happened. So there's already like levels of different stuff that have happened in other sports. And the NFL obviously doesn't want that to happen to them because they I'll, let you bet on WWE. And I'm like, OK, you know, yeah. But if you think about it. Outside of probably like Premier League soccer, the NFL is like the biggest thing going. So they don't want to jeopardize that, right? Each individual organization at this point is worth literally billions of dollars within the NFL. They don't want to damage that. And I mean, they're gaining you know, every, every year they play in London, Germany. I think there's going to be yep. uh, I, I, I know they had a game in Mexico last year. I think they're doing that again this upcoming season. Yeah, Mexico City's gotten one, I think. Each of the last or three of the last four years, non-COVID years. 
But yeah, you're saying it's just a matter of time before some NFL team ends up uh, getting put in London. Yep. So yeah, this, it's all very interesting. They even had their NFL Europe back in the early '90s. I think that ran, and maybe it's still operating. I don't. Know. I quit following it, but I know for sure it was from like '92 to '96 or so. They did a thing. So there's definitely tons to market. They don't want to risk it. But that being in the news got me thinking. What would we potentially be able to bet on in Magic, and how would it affect things? Because for those of you who don't know, you can go on and bet on, like, League of Legends, you know, CSGO, like, any of the big tournaments. There's actually sports books. Hell, there's actually, I think, a show on SiriusXM where they even talk about the odds and whatever of, you know, following different players in these these other yeah, digital Counter sports. Counter-Strike is huge. League of Legends is huge. Um, Call of Duty, of course. Yeah, so it's being done in other games already. So, like, what would we bet on in Magic, and do we think it would affect the game? And would you bet on it? Like, I think that's another question, right? I if I would, I would try it if they offered it, because, I mean, I've bet on Counter-Strike and League of Legends before, so. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, like, I would probably do it. Because it's at least a thing, because I always tell any stuff I've ever bet on, I always tried to have some amount of knowledge of it. Yeah. Right? So I'm not likely to go and just bet on on a, a Counter-Strike thing, because I've literally played zero minutes of Counter-Strike. I don't, I don't know any of the new updates. I don't know any of the players. It'd be a waste of money. There might be a weird instance where I might bet on a League of Legends thing. You know, there could be a certain because I at least know something about it and the characters and whatever. But... Magic? I'm like, you know, depending on what the format was or what I knew about certain players that were qualified, like, maybe? <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't know, probably. But then I started thinking, like, would you bet on an individual having, like, over, under on their wins for the weekend? Right? Do you, do you like, there's going to be 13 rounds. We think this person, we're going to set their line at, like, five wins or whatever. Right? That's something people might bet on. Do you just bet on somebody overall to win a tournament and they get certain odds? Because like, because here's the thing, too, right? In something like League of Legends, you can potentially throw your matches, but it would be reasonably obvious to people that have watched you play before. Right, because they know your strategy, your tactics. Everybody knows how the champions are supposed to work and what they're good at, what they're not. So, like, if you're normally, like, the middle lane champion for your team or whatever, and you do a certain thing to, you know, kill the dragon on a level first to get the extra experience or whatever, and then, like, you're deviating from that substantially and doing a weaker thing. People have have bad days, though. Oh, sure, sure, sure. But I'm saying, but it would immediately start at least calling into question. Whereas with Magic, I mean, if somebody, like, this is what I'm thinking. Like, let's say I'm getting down to the final two or four or something. And we somehow know that my opponent at that stage has a huge money bet on them to win. Am I willing to throw the game for some cut of that money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, like, 
there are a lot of ways you could throw a magic game and not look obvious. Because there's a lot of different ways you could like approach a combat situation or maybe you're killing a thing, making it look like you're predicting they have a certain card in hand when you already were pretty sure they don't. You know, like there's there's some things you could do that I think wouldn't look terribly obvious. And I don't I don't know. Like, man, would players do? I would assume players would do it. Because even if you stand to win the tournament and win, I don't know, let's say 50,000 or 100,000, if so, if your cut's going to be close to that anyway, you, that, you that's the thing though how would in, in what scenario would there be enough money because I, I think if there was enough money in magic for somebody to offer it they'd be offered it maybe because it's just I, I i think it's like we talked about you know what you see if, if you go to for example twitch and look at magic's numbers in comparison to say league of legends valorant what have you and just say Sure. Sports books are taking bets on it. You can place a bet on what what color the Gatorade is going to be on the winning Super Bowl coach. So to oh, me, no doubt. If there no were, doubt. But, but if there a, were enough money in Magic for that, somebody would be offering odds on Magic. But I think also if Magic became available to bet, there would be a ton of people hopping on on it to try to learn it and bet it before the Sharps caught up to it. Oh, I, yeah. I think that's what anything people try to figure out what the I was listening to somebody talk the other day about the old days, you know, before there were a million sites and YouTube channels and analyzed what you could bet on where they would have they let me take advantage of lines like, hey, you know, this site still has uh, I don't know, uh, Roberto Alomar up and he's not playing today. <laughs> okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, under <laughs> Yeah, well that that happened even with these esports leagues, right? The for the first few months people were just going in and people that had the edge or new stuff they were in there trying to get their bets in before the market caught up now like every vegas book has like somebody that's an expert in it or whatever now so you know the numbers make way more sense so and i would have so much content out there now to where it's hard to get anything over on anybody oh yeah i mean there, there's still times where it happens but just i mean just I'm on several people, you know, that, that, that bet on these things on social media. And I mean, within seconds, you'll see, hey, you know, Prize Picks posted this thing. It's an error. And, and then, of course, within seconds, Prize Picks is taking it down. It's just. Yep. So I don't know. I mean, I guess the closest correlation I can think of off the top of my head would be something like golf, since it's individual. But even then, you're not one on one with somebody. You're kind of just. I mean, I. Again, I guess maybe if you knew the odds or how much money was on it or whatever. But even then, you're probably just better off betting on yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. But it's interesting to think about, right? Like, is that a thing? And would it affect the game or these outcomes? Like, I don't know. Because I'm with you. Like, the money would have to be significantly... Because that, that's kind of the benefit, right, to the NFL. To really have somebody be crooked and throw a game unless they were just a degenerate, like yeah. the money you would have to involve would have to be huge. Cause even the most recent guy I called in the question, he was making like 900 K a year. So like even let's call it 600,000 after taxes or whatever. Right. Like he's, you would have to offer this dude for, I mean, apparently not. I mean, cause again, degenerate gambling, some of his bets were only 25 and $50, but I would think for most players in the league, if you're not giving them at least a hundred grand, 
you know, or like, I, I, there are people, I think, including Stephen A. Smith among them, who believe that James Harden throws games if he hates the coach. Yeah, but he doesn't so need he, money to do that. <laughs> well, no, but, but I'm saying, like, let's say, <laughs> just talk about insider stuff. Let's say you're on the staff and you know that James Harden and Doc Rivers just had a 30 minute argument. You're like, well, James ain't going to play tonight. I'm going to go bet James under. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm I'm just thinking about to get the individuals to throw. Because that's part of the reason, too, they don't want employees betting. Is because you might have inside info on somebody yeah. being injured that morning in a practice or something. You, you Exactly. Yeah. You might have just taped somebody's ankle, whereas he might not have actually told his coach yeah, or exactly. the NFL that he's injured. So there, there's some random stuff like that. But they that's part of the reason they made, wanted to put the injury reports out. And they punished teams for not being honest yeah. on their injury reports. Like literally even still, hundreds of thousands people, of dollars per yeah. per violation. So that, that all makes sense. But I'm just thinking... In most cases, it would have to be huge amounts of money for for NFL level play or NBA players for that matter, because NBA players make even more money at individual level than NFL players. So, like, if you're not giving somebody in the hundreds of thousands, which means your bet would have to be millions or else why even bother making the bet if you're going to give up more than 25, 30 percent right to this person. But on Magic, it could be way less. Right, like if you were guaranteeing somebody ten k, they they might throw a game. So the person that you're up against, that you could close out your hundred k or two hundred k bet, like maybe. I don't think we'll ever get there. This is all like you know pie in the sky, speculative, fun conversation, but it is interesting. You know, I would like to see them go back to at least offering. Like where you like pick the pro or whatever, and if they win, you get a cool thing in arena, or you get a thing in Magic Online or whatever. You know that that would be fun, like fantasy picks or whatever. But I don't think we ever need like real money bets in Magic. Really, I mean, who knows? Maybe ten years from now, Magic keeps growing and it gets big enough that some people start looking at it for that. But I don't think it'd be anything I'd ever bet heavily on. But occasionally, I might throw a twenty spot somewhere. like just because but yeah it's wild man it's it's interesting to think about like we as magic players have one of the most popular games i mean literally a billion dollar company making the game and the game itself is starting to encroach on being a billion dollar brand you know and doesn't have any type of speculative gambling on it whereas a lot of these other video games and stuff do which is kind of interesting and it might just be a matter of the platform or maybe because, you know, team fighting versus one-on-ones or whatever. Who knows? But it's definitely something fun to think about. But once everybody where they can find you on social media, Brian, and we'll wrap this up. I am Brian Sonic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, or family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere at Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N on most platforms. And don't forget to check me out on the Loading Ready Run pre-pre-release this weekend. Otherwise, wherever you're listening, whenever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please remember to take care of yourselves and your family. And remember to be awesome, and most importantly, be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate under patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. 
And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 